Good morning. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, Johan, for filling in. It can be hard to fill in for Kathleen, can it, Johan? Amen. Amen. Especially when those introductions go a little bit longer than expected. I'll just give you a little nod this morning, okay, to let you know when I'm done. I watched the video only about 40, 50 times and laughed hysterically every time um, because Johan looked so defeated and it was just funny. I don't know why. I just, I like those AFV shows where people fall and get hurt. I'm, I guess I'm sadistic like that. But the, the thing I saw, I did see that I, I made a motion when I went to pray, so he's kind of not to blame. And I think Richard may have gotten up as well. Did, thank you, Pam. Pam said he never finishes that early. <laughs> oh, man, that was funny. We had a, a really, really nice time yesterday. Um, the last two weeks, um, last two Saturdays, we have, as a church, buried two of our longtime church members. Long time. And yesterday, we had such a sweet time just listening to friends um, of Miss Ma Mason share their love for her. And what was so neat about it was, the, if you don't know, we have as a church, we have this, this um, I don't know how to describe it, it's a woman's uh, Bible study over here in the courtyard. And if you've been going here long enough, you know that that is a very meaningful Bible study. It's a very meaningful um, small group, if you will, or fellowship group. And to hear the women talk about how that small group sustained them when life got rough, uh, when, life, when times were hard, was beautiful. It is exactly why we have started our own Bible, uh, Bible uh, fellowship groups for young adults and for our adults as well, our young professionals, because we want to see that perpetuated. Uh, it was very meaningful. It was a very beautiful time. And uh, I want to encourage you this year, if you're not a, a member of our, uh, any of our Bible fellowship groups, which is, listen, it's just a, it's another word for Sunday school group, but just, just don't tell the young people that. They won't come. It's a Sunday school, but it's a little bit more intimate than that. One other thing I want to make note of, if it is ever 17 degrees, I'm going to go ahead, negative uh, 17 degrees, I'm going to go ahead and let you stay home. Because I'm not going to be here. Maybe David can preach. But this guy's not preaching in negative 17 degrees. <laughs> God will forgive us for that. If you have your Bibles, turn in them to Ephesians 4. We're going to be looking at verses 22 through 24. 22 through 24. Well, this is 2018, isn't it? It is here. It's a new year, right? Whatever that means. The days still feel like they did in 2017, don't they? All of the stuff that you had in 2017, the baggage, the debts, the excess weight around your gut. Not that I know anything about that. They came with you over into 2018, didn't they? But this is the season of renewal, isn't it? And, and if you don't believe me, just turn on your television sets and watch the, the commercials right now. Right? Or, or drive down university and see the sign flippers. You know those guys who do the twirling thing? Anybody ever notice that you can't read the sign? Stop twirling the thing! I can't read it! Man, you're cool, but I don't know what you're selling. Well, they're all about weight loss programs and joining a gym, right? Now's the time where we, we throw money down a rat hole and join a gym. By Wednesday of the week, the first week, we realize, yeah, I'm happy with the way I look. And we get rid of that. We still pay that $60 a month. But this is the season of renewal. We want to make ourselves new. And so we have new diet plans. 
Right? Everybody have a new diet plan? They're going to, they've already gone to Publix this week and bought a little bit more fruit, more oatmeal, got rid of all the carbohydrates. My wife is on a crusade right now. So I might be coming to some of your homes. We have new weight loss plans, right? We know exactly what we're going to do. This time, it's going to be different. We have new workout routines. I have a new workout routine that I'll start tomorrow. Or maybe Tuesday. I don't want to shock my system. We're very focused on getting our bodies healthy, looking better, and feeling better. And and there's nothing wrong with that. We should be stewards of our physical bodies. We really should. And there is no question that our physical fitness does help our mental stability. No question about it. You know, nobody's happy when that area around their midsection is tight because the pants don't fit like they used to. Makes us a little bit more upset, a little bit more edgy. And so it's important that we are good stewards of our body. It really is, though, the focus that most Americans have in their lives at the beginning of every year is their bodies. Their bodies. If there's any sin that really plagues Americans, it's putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. They constantly focus all of their efforts on the wrong thing. And if they would just take that energy, they would just take that commitment and pour it into the right thing, this country would be different. It would be better. Let's take, for instance, marriage. I counsel a lot of young couples that are wanting to get married. They will spend a year to a year and a half to some two years planning a day. A day. What is a day? They got to make sure that the place settings are perfect. That the flowers are the first flower that the boy gave to the girl the first time they went to McDonald's. And they've got to be the right colors. The invitations have to be the right invitations. The dress is not a dress until it's over $2,000. The venue has to be perfect. And we dump thousands and thousands of dollars and waste precious time planning for a day. And we spend almost no time planning for our marriage. And so we waste money on something that won't last normally past five years. I say normally because it is the statistic. It is the greater reality. So we focus on the less important thing and we dump our efforts into it and we don't focus on our marriage. Better that we spend our Friday nights rather than dealing with place settings, focusing on what we'll do should one of us get sick. How will we support that person when they go through bouts with depression? Or when family members become ill and they have to be moved into the home? Or what we'll do when life throws any kind of curveball at us? Better if we would spend our time with that and focusing on the Lord than planning for a day. And so this morning... Well, I think it's very important that you have your new diet plans and your new workout routines and that you make a goal to get healthy and get those bodies where they need to be. They are not as important as your spiritual health. The spiritual aspect of life is more important than the physical. Now, certainly they're related. But one of those will continue on into the next life. This body that you have now is going to deteriorate. 
your bodies that you're going to spend so much time making beautiful will be ultimately in a pine box where they will rot away and only your hair and nails will grow. Not to be disgusting. But your bodies won't be carried over into the next life because they are corruptible flesh. We must put on incorruptible flesh if we're going to dwell in the new kingdom. But the soul, the spirit, is more important than the physical. To focus only on the body, which is subject to corruption and death, and not on the spirit, which is being renewed in the likeness of God, is a serious oversight in our process of spiritual discipleship. The question that I want us all to answer this morning is this. What is my plan in 2018 to get my spiritual life where it needs to be? Let's pray. Father, it is my prayer that your word would speak to us and convict us to not just focus on our bodies. Yes, these bodies that you've given us to be good stewards of the bodies that you've given us. But it is my prayer, Lord, that you would put in every one of our hearts a new routine for our spiritual lives. One that we can keep. Lord, we're going to be looking for workout partners. Their schedules down the road are going to change. And we're going to lose that accountability partner. Lord, it is good to know that if we begin the process of spiritual renewal that we have your Holy Spirit to help us. Your word tells us that we are to seek our own salvation in fear and trembling, but it is you who works in us both to will and to act according to your good pleasure. The comforter, the Holy Spirit, will enable us by the word of God and with the assistance of the local church and the brothers and sisters who equally are pursuing spiritual renewal. Lord, we can keep our commitment to you. Your word tells us that the spiritual life is both a race and a fight. And that means that as Christians, we must have stamina and endurance. And it is my prayer, Lord, that you will give us that stamina, give us that endurance to be spiritually fit so that we might offer our bodies as a spiritual sacrifice, which is our worship. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at our passage this morning. Ephesians 4, through 24. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to a group of churches, not just one. <clears throat> and he as in most of his letters, has arrived at the admonishment or exhortation portion of the letter. He establishes what true and right theology is. Theology is the study of God. It is what the Word of God teaches about God. And so he establishes usually 80% of the letters are usually spent establishing a right understanding of God. But once we have that, there has to be an exhortation to go and live out those truths. And so he's arrived at that exhortation in our passage this morning. And I'm even picking up middle of the thought. Here's what the verse says. Verse 22. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. You know what corrupt means when your files or your computer is corrupted? You know what you do with it? You get rid of it. Because it's no longer good for anything. The old life is corrupted. Paul says, put off the old life, the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And put on the new self, 
created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So I want to look at this passage this morning in hopes to lay out a plan for renewing our spirit in 2018. Number one, this is a plan. It's really beautiful, and it really does lay out a beautiful plan for us to grow in spiritual discipleship. It is not the original purpose of the text, but nonetheless, it is the only true way to grow in Christ. The first thing that we have to do, number one, if we want to renew ourselves and our spiritual discipleship, we have to put off the old self. Put off your old self. For Paul, it's clear that the concept of self here is tied to a person's mind. The desires that drive their life. I had a basketball coach tell me one time, you know, you can learn a lot about a person's philosophy and the way they think by watching them play basketball. If they're selfish in life, they're going to be selfish on the court. If they're lazy in life, they're going to be selfish and lazy on the court. And his point was that our actions are tied to our mindset. That's pretty easy, right? We're going and doing what we want to do. As human beings, we do what we want to do. Living in a free country... For the most part, besides that nasty thing that happens every April 15th, but we do what we want to do. And what we're doing with our lives is the greatest indicator of what we believe in our minds and in our hearts. And Paul says here, put off the old self. Put off the old way of thinking. The way that has led you nowhere thus far. He says here, put off the old self. And this is tied to the idea of the mind. When in verse 17, he says, no longer walk as Gentiles do. The word Gentile there just means sinner. As sinners walk. No longer live as sinners who in the futility of their minds are led by the deceitful desires of the world. What does it mean to have a, a mind that is filled with futility? It means to be going nowhere with your life. And every philosophy of the world that does not focus on the corruption of the flesh... And the ultimate destination of death is a philosophy of futility. Jesus made this point. There was a rich man and he had some barns. And he looked at his barns one day and he said, This barn's not good enough. I need a bigger barn. And so he decided to tear down that barn... And build a bigger barn in its place. And Jesus said, you fool. This evening your soul will be required of you. That is, you're going to die. Then whose will all this be? And we spend the majority of our life getting things that we can't take with us into the next life. So that our kids can fight over them when we die. But Paul says, put off that old way of thinking. Put off the old self, the old mind. The mind that focuses on things that don't get carried over into the next life. These things are darkened and deceitful desires of the world. 
and they promise us ultimate fulfillment, but are nothing more than a mirage in the wasteland of a fallen and corrupted world. It's not easy to identify the incalculable number of empty philosophies that are in the world today. Many of us live by some kind of false philosophy, and we don't understand it until we look at our life and see we're living by some kind of misunderstanding about the world. But then the way to focus and get our lives onto a new self is not to simply scrutinize the old things, but to know what is the right thing. This is a, a, a very valuable illustration. The best way to spot a fake is to know what the real thing is. No, nobody spends time learning about all the different fakes. They spend their time pouring over what the right and true one is, and they don't even have to know all of the different fake ones to say, that one's not the real one. How do you know? Because it's not the real one. That's what the real one looks like. See that? That's what the real one looks like right there. And if it doesn't look like it, if it doesn't have all of the qualities, it's not the right one, and it doesn't matter what type of properties the fake comes with. So Paul simply says, put off the old practices of sensuality, that is sexual immorality, and people who are those days when we were greedy for every kind of impurity. So the best way then is to put off the old self by determining to put on the new self. But your old self has to be done away with if you want to ever renew your spirit. Some of us are carrying baggage of the old self. And if you're going to enter into the new life, you must leave the baggage behind. The sin must be left behind. You cannot serve both God and money. You say, are you saying I should be poor? No, I am saying, who is your God? Is it God or is it money? And the way to answer that question is this. What money that you have is given to God? And what do you have to do to get that money? What do you have to give up in serving God to get that money? You cannot offer up your bodies to sexual immorality if you desire your bodies to be the temple of God. You have to put off your old self. If you're going to renew the spirit. So many Christians today have treated sexual immorality as if it is a second tier doctrine. One that we might debate on. And sexual immorality is not debatable. It is a clear cut given in scripture declaration of what sexual morality is. But beyond just that, in a more broader scope, you cannot worship God while holding on to the idols of your past. You have to put off the old self. Now, I don't want you to think of idol as a, a statue necessarily. There might be some especially in South Florida, where real graven images is still a problem. Even depictions of the Lord and idols of Christian saints is still an issue. But by idol, I mean anything you put your trust and desire in for ultimate fulfillment. 
Anything you put your trust and desire in for ultimate fulfillment. Might be your children, or your job, or your car, or your hobbies. But you cannot love idols and serve God. Listen to me. God sits on a, a throne. There are not many thrones. There is only one throne. The first two commandments are to focus our hearts on the true object of worship, which is God alone. We cannot worship God while holding on to the idols of our past. If you want to renew your mind in 2018, and only you will answer that, you have to put off your old self. But Paul tells us there's more. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To put off the old self without the renewal of your mind is actually worse than remaining in your current state. Let me say that again. To put off the old self without the renewal of your mind is actually worse than remaining in your current state. Here's what Jesus says. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. The idea, the idea of looking for a place to live, place without friction. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. The house is a body. And when it comes, it finds the house empty. The first problem. No one buys a house or builds a house to leave it empty. The purpose of a house is to be lived in. And an empty self, an empty house, is simply what so many people do. They put off all of their bad habits and they don't replace it and fill it with the right truth of God. And so they've got an empty house. And you know what happens in South Florida with empty houses? You know what happens. People move in who ain't supposed to be there, who you got to call the cops on. Ask me how I know. You can't leave the house empty. If you spend this whole year getting stuff and crud and crap and moral uh, uh, debauchery out of your life and you don't fill it with the right thing, you are wasting your time and you are playing a very dangerous game because something's going to fill that space. And it's going to be worse. Oftentimes, it will fill your space with false religion. And why it's worse is because false religion is the most difficult thing to overcome. Listen to the stories of Christian missionaries who go to Islamic countries and don't see converts their entire time there because they are trying to get rid of the old religion that has put down its deep roots. Do not waste your time getting rid of the old self without putting in the right thing. Jesus says, he goes on, it's swept, this house is swept and put in order. That's the second problem. The house is ready to be moved in by anyone or anything at any time. It's cleaned up. In other words, it, it sounds like this. I'm just looking for the truth. I'm open-minded. I'm open to anything. You've got your, your house is swept up and clean. 
Anybody can come in. It's empty. You're going to let anybody squat in your house and you don't know who you've just invited in. He says here, it's swept, it's put in order. Then it goes, that is the evil spirit, and it brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of the person is worse than the first. So the mess that we make when we renew ourselves and we get rid of the old self and we don't renew it with Christ is a mess. It's a worse house. Because now you and your false religion are going to be misleading your children and your friends and your neighbors. It is a worse house. This is an unsafe game to play. Here's what Craig Blomberg, one well-known New Testament scholar, you're just going to have to trust me on that. Ownership, he says, by the devil must be replaced with ownership by Christ. We have got to, in this house analogy, we have got to make sure that when we sell the house that was owned by these bad people, that it is going to be bought by somebody who's going to care for this house and put it in right relationship. Don't just sell it to anyone. It's got to move from ownership to Satan to Christ to follow the analogy. He says here, otherwise... One's release is only temporary. Moral reform without Christian commitment always remains inadequate. I think of this illustration. A person once told me about a church in Atlanta, Georgia that died and it became a nightclub. The church died and the, the actual sanctuary became a nightclub. If my recollection is correct, it was in the South, in a neighborhood where the demographics changed from one race to another. So I'll let you decide what the first demon was. Because they couldn't decide to get rid of that first demon and obey Christ... What now fills the house is a den of debauchery and drunkenness. A house that was spent and paid for to glorify Christ. These two must go hand in hand. You cannot be a disciple of Christ by simply being a good person. Let me say that again. You cannot be a disciple of Christ by simply being a good person. Let me say that again. You cannot be a disciple of Christ by simply being a good person. Let me say that again. You cannot be a disciple of Christ by simply being a good person. How many people have I counseled at this very altar who I have implored to follow Christ who have told me, but I'm a good person person that and a buck 60 will get you a cup of coffee but it doesn't get you salvation and I suspect if I took just a little while and scrutinized your life with you we would both agree you're not really a good person that all of those good deeds you do are simply a veil for your own self-aggrandizement. Christ made it very clear. He said, none of you are really good. You say you don't commit adultery, but you lust in your heart. And I look at your heart, and I know you're not good. You say you've never murdered, but you hate your neighbor. Therefore, I know you're not really good. He knows. Good people don't go to heaven. Do you hear? Good people 
don't go to heaven. Disciples of Christ by faith go to heaven. Don't waste your time. If you're going to replace this old self with simply being a more moral person, you are playing Russian roulette with your salvation. You must renew it in Christ. What is the solution? A renewed mind in the right person. Here's how Paul concludes. Put on the new self. Put off the old self. Step one. Renew your mind in the right person. And put on the new self. Created in the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness. This is the simple regimen. You want to lose weight? It's very simple. If you want to lose weight, I'm going to give you a real quick... I'm not a doctor... Okay, don't go to your doctor and when you get some kind of illness, blame me. But pretty much the principle is this. Don't eat fatty foods and exercise and you'll lose weight. No, but if you eat an avocado at 6.30 in the morning and not at 4.30 in the afternoon, the calories will turn into a type of sugar-based... Listen to me. Stop eating McDonald's and Run. I heard there's a difference between whole grain and whole wheat. Listen to me. Stop eating donuts, deep fried dough. Eat whole wheat or whole grain, you'll be fine. And you're going to die the same day that God chose for you to die from before the foundation of the world. It's a very simple process. There's a book written by an African-American scholar called Basic Economics. He's a professor at Stanford. His name's Thomas Sowell. Basic economics. His point is that economics cannot get difficult when it does, when it gets so convoluted that no one can figure out it is doomed to fail. You, wanna, you want to find true spirituality, put off the old self, renew it, renew your mind in Christ, and live like Christ. There it is. It's a wonderful plan for renewing your spiritual lives. Paul has made, however, a very exclusive claim about righteousness and holiness. At the end of this, he says, put on the new self, created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Don't miss that word, true. This is not politically correct. His claim is this. True righteousness and holiness is found in and only in how a person reflects the character of God. True righteousness and true holiness is only found in how a person reflects the character of God. And not the God of your mind, but the God of the Word. The God who has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews says a very important thing to begin the book. In the past, God spoke to us in many ways and at various times through the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Enough with all of this confusion about other gods or God being called by different names. Listen to me. God is called by one name for salvation. Jesus Christ. There should have been more amens. And the fact that there isn't shows, just shows how serious this sermon is. There is only salvation in his name. Allah is not the God of Scripture. 
Buddha is not the God of Scripture. Vishnu, Brahmin, are not the God of Scripture. The guy with the funny hat on cable access channel 17 who comes on at Saturday morning at 2.30 where only God and a couple drunkards should watch it is not God. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son of God from the Father. Put off the old self. Renew your mind. Look like Christ. You say, I'm only human. How can I reflect God? The answer is found in living the way God did as a human in the person of Jesus Christ. So then true righteousness and true holiness is only attainable by living like and under Christ. True Holiness, true righteousness, is to live like Christ. The plan is simple. Step one, put off your old self. Put away the sins of the flesh. I don't know all the personal sins you have. I only know the personal sins I have. If you want to be Christ's disciple, you must be a new creation. The old must die, and the new must come. Step two, renew your minds. Ridding yourself of your old sins without making Christ your Lord will not make you his disciple. In place of your old desires, renew your mind by placing your thoughts on the things of Christ. Let his ways be your ways, not your ways, his ways. So often we create God in our own image. You ever notice that when you talk to people who have quote-unquote had an, uh, uh, an interaction with God, they talk to God on their own terms, that when they tell you what God said, it often sounds like what they sound like? God always gives a thumbs up to their hopes and dreams. Yeah, I'm just so blessed. God's given me this job, so I can't worship him anymore on Sunday. And God told me, this is why I gave you this. Oh, he did? Because I, I, I thought for sure he already said in his word, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That, that's what I thought he said. I thought the example that the Christian church has set for the last 2,000 years that they will worship on Sunday was pretty clear. God often sounds... He's often created in our image. There is great umbrage when we become a Christian. Umbrage, it is destruction to our lives. We must crumble before a holy God. Let his ways be your ways. God, this is your way, I'll follow it by your help. Let his thoughts be your thoughts. God's word said he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I can't figure it out. What does it have to do with trusting it by faith since they are his thoughts? Has it ever dawned on you that the being that is past finding out will never be fully found out? Let his thoughts be your thoughts. So many times we read the Bible and we think, gosh, if Jesus would have just, if he would have said it just a little bit differently, maybe he would have had more converts on that day. I wish he wouldn't have put that clause in there about X, Y, or Z. But that's not what a disciple does. 
A disciple lets his master's ways be his ways and his master's thoughts be his thoughts. And you don't have to wonder what they are. He's given us his word. Step three, put on the new self, which is created in the likeness of Christ. The only way to reflect Christ's glory is by living in true righteousness and holiness. What makes righteousness true? It's not simply being a moral person. It's being a disciple of Christ. And the obverse is also true. All alleged righteousness and holiness that does not reflect the character of Christ is false righteousness. What is more, holiness is the chief character trait that characterizes the new self. You know what you're going to do right now? You're probably taking before pictures. So you stand in front of a mirror or you have a friend who you're not afraid to take your shirt off in front of. I did it to David Reed and I'm kind of afraid that that's going to show up somewhere. But we did a before picture and you stand there like this, right? And you're <laughs> then you have that moment of morbid introspection like, how could I allow that to happen? And then two months later, you take another picture. And you have your before and your after. I'm still working on the before. But you have your before picture and your after picture. And why do you do that? Why do you go over to that scale and you move it over? And you, you, What are you doing? You are tracking your progress. Did it work? This is the measurement to know that every morning that I got up and I ate kale, that this worked. Here it is. I have less goo around my midsection. I can run a little bit faster, jump a little bit higher. My pants fit better. That's the proof it's worked. How will you judge your spiritual improvement? What is, this, what is the thing that you will go to and you will look at to say, yeah, it worked? Are you going to look in the mirror? Or are you going to look at Christ? Striving always to reflect his image. This is the chief character trait of the new self. The trajectory of history is moving towards a time where God will renew all things, the heaven and the earth. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned with her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be, vi be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. If, therefore, the heavens and the earth are going to be renewed, its citizens must be renewed as well. God wants to dwell with man. You know, we see these t-shirts that have somebody on it. And not, and not to speak ill of the dead, but I wonder how much scrutiny went behind the person's life who's dead on that t-shirt with the heaven in the back. You know, when these movie stars and these actors die, we talk about them looking down on us. And my question is, because the assumption is that they're in heaven. My question is, what is the holiness that gives them the ability to dwell with a holy God? 
Everything I know about God requires that the people that he dwells with must be holy. In the garden, he dwelt with Adam and Eve till they sinned. In the tabernacle, only the high priest could go to God where he was. And only after much sacrifice and only once a year. And even he himself had to atone for the sins. It wasn't until Christ came where that curtain was torn in two. Why? Because God wants to dwell with man. And if you want to dwell with God, you must be holy. You must be righteous. And the only way to be holy and righteous is through faith in Jesus Christ. Today, it is my prayer that you will begin to renew your spiritual self in 2018. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. All of this, Lord, we preach to man. I, I know that I preached it to myself and I preached it to people, human beings, Lord. This is a tall task. Your word is always tall. It is always hard. It is always difficult. And so, Lord, what we ask from you is your help. We ask that you will help us die to ourselves. Your word tells us that in the new covenant, you, God, will pour out your spirit onto man's heart and you will make us your people. And I am asking you, God, to pour out your spirit on this church that we might obey your law, not because it has been written on stone tablets, but because you, God, have written it on our hearts. And by your spirit, have given us the ability to keep it. I pray, God, to you, pour out your spirit on this church and let us renew ourselves in the likeness of Christ. Amen.